0: indeed. I wonder if you have a gift under your Christmas tree already. I wonder if it is for someone that you love and that you've placed it there instead of that it is for you. And I wonder if the person that it is for is eagerly walking past it on a regular basis, eagerly counting down the days till Christmas. See, I bring this up because without the wise men, We might not give gifts. The wise men were the first ones to present Christmas gifts to the Messiah. They didn't necessarily know they were starting something, but they knew they couldn't stand to do nothing. So they brought what they had. I don't think it was on Jesus' wish list, but it might have been. I don't know that Mary and Joseph knew they needed it, but God did. Today, we remember the wise men and their act of faith. You know, when we see their story in Matthew chapter 2, the only time they are recorded in Scripture, we are left with a lot more questions than answers. There's a lot of things we would like to know about them, but Scripture tells us only what we have. Let us see if we can supplement it some with some tradition that has arisen since the time of that first Christmas night visit. Take a look at these pictures that I brought with me today. This is from a monastery in Ravenna, Italy, We have identified these wise men as Balthazar, Melchor, and Gaspar. We associate them with different regions. They came from different places and they arrived in the east, wherever that might be, in various ways. Balthazar, we believe, is from Arabia. Melchor, from Persia. Gaspar, from India when they died it is said that they were brought to cologne germany here take a look at this next picture to the well, i guess that's the only picture i have see my facebook page later for another picture in cologne germany the shrine of the three kings it is believed that they were buried there now you might say well how do we know that it's really them honestly we don't but really does it matter our remembrance of them is more significant than where they're buried the reality of why they came is even more powerful now if you're like me then you've heard this story over and over and over again and it's one of those that can be worn smooth with its use it's one of those things that makes you say okay We can check this one off of our list. Darren has talked to us about the wise men this year. But instead of taking that approach, I want to encourage you instead to go with me back. Go with me back to the east, east of Bethlehem, wherever that might be, and realize that these men were not looking for a Messiah. You see, last week we talked about how the prophets, they were, they were expecting the Messiah. They knew that God had promised that and that this was coming. They were eagerly hoping for a Messiah. Uh, The wise men, or as they're called in Greek, the magi, they were not. If history tells us anything, it tells us they were Zoroastrianists, first cousins to the astrologers of today. They were ones who studied the stars and looked up to gain wisdom and insight from whatever the stars might reveal. These stars were how they directed themselves, and they were the compass by which they lived in very real fashion. If there was a change in the stars, it meant something. Oh, friends, that first night they saw it, it changed everything. I've wondered a million times, did they know that their lives had just changed when they saw the star? Go with me back to Matthew 2, and let's join them there. For the Magi left home seemingly without knowing where they were going. They didn't have any idea. They left home because they knew the star that they had seen meant something and so they left home not knowing where they were going because that's where they were called to go they knew that they needed to be on their way even if they didn't know where the way would take them let me ask you a question and I mean this sincerely you can jot it down on your note page somewhere how far would you be willing to travel for Christmas not by car, and not by plane, but by camel and donkey back? Some of your answers just changed, didn't it? Well, I might make it to Stanton, Darren. No further than that. Some of you might be more adventurous and say, I'd get to Big Spring. I doubt many of us would be willing to take the trip to Abilene that way. And yet, These magi, when they left, they didn't know where they were going. If we take into account that they can make about 20 miles in a day, and if we take into account the distance from roughly Baghdad to Bethlehem, where the east we think was from, history suggests there, then the trip would have taken them about two years. You might say, but Darren, wait a minute, I just saw it in the video. They were there the night Jesus was born well, we stitch it together that way, but let's be clear. The Magi didn't get there that night. They got there, though, at just the right time. Even if they didn't know where they were going, put that up on the screen if you would be so kind. Because it's important that we ask this question, what if it's us that's asked to take a crazy journey? What if the Spirit of God came to you like he did to Abraham and says, Abraham, in Genesis 12, Abraham, I want you to load up everything and everybody, and I want you to set out for a land that I will show you. I wonder, would you be willing to go? Would you be willing to set out on this journey without clear definition of where it would take you? I dare say many of us would recoil at that. Not because we don't have faith, but because we're a people of certainty. When we set out on a journey, we want to know where we're going. We want to say, this is where I'm headed when I get on the road. But sometimes God doesn't give us that. And can I suggest one reason why? I think in my walk with the Lord, sometimes the journey is more important than the destination. Sometimes the path the Lord takes me on was the whole purpose of going in the first place. It wasn't necessarily where I was headed. It was what God wanted to tell me on my way. I'm going to ask you to take this home with you. If God called you to go on a strange journey like he did the Magi, would you go? I ask this because, you know, the new year is right around the corner. Three weeks from today is Christmas. Four weeks from today, we'll welcome the new year. We don't know what's in 23. We're not even promised to get to that new year. But when we get to that new year, if the Lord shows us that kind of kindness, then would you be willing to take a strange journey if the Lord asked you to in the new year? Let's move on quickly because we don't have long today. The Magi didn't quite know where to go. It doesn't seem that the star led them everywhere. It got them to a certain point to Israel, it seems. And there they said, hey, what now? Ah, we'll go to the local magistrate, the local regional king, Herod, we know him as. Herod. They went to Jerusalem and inquired of Herod about the new king. But let's be clear, our friend Herod was a fake king a king that was, in fact, no king at all. He was merely a puppet of the Roman Empire who installed him and propped him up to keep peace in the region. The Magi's visit with Herod was a visit with a fake king. Don't you hate fake brands? Things that purport to be one thing but are, in fact, something else I think I told you about our visit to uh, Israel a couple of years ago my son and I ordered root beers and when they delivered it to us it looked right and it made the hiss sound when we popped it open but when we took that first sip we realized it was date flavored root beer not vanilla let me tell you friends they're not the same I think I have a picture or two, maybe we didn't get them here, of some fake brands. Let's see if we look them up. (laughs) I'm gonna help you. Don't buy that. All right? It's telling you about its character right here. And even notice the keys over on the right side. F-O-N-Y. It warns you in advance. Take a look at the next one. This is supposed to suggest... Fanta, Coke, and Sprite. It's not. Don't be fooled. I think I might have one more. Maybe that's the end. That's it. So when you come upon fakes, it's important that you recognize them for what they are. And if you want to write yourself a note in your Bible, and you, when you see Herod here in this story, you can write fake out uh, beside him. Because there was one title that Herod wanted most of all, King of the Jews. That's what he wanted. He wanted that brand. And when these wise men showed up, he began to worry. Herod was noted for his cruelty. It's been said that it was better to be Herod's pig, since he was a Jewish observer and wouldn't slaughter pigs, than his sons. He was so worried about a coup that he murdered most of his own family to protect himself. So if he was willing to murder his own sons, what's a few wise men? What's somebody else's son? Herod concocts a plot. Yeah, I'll tell you where to find that new king. I'll tell you where to find him. And then when you find him, You come back and tell me, and I will go and worship him. Friends, be on guard. Be on guard against fakes, especially when they look real. Our friend Herod looked the part, but he was in fact not the real thing. So they meet with him, and Herod's wise men tell the magi, this is where you can find him, go to Bethlehem. This is the reason that you came. I wanna tell you friends, it's better to have a big library than it is a big checkbook. Herod had a big checkbook but did not know the history. The wise men knew enough to trust the God who was leading them. And so after they visited with Herod, they went out and there was a star again. The star led them to the place where Jesus was and the Magi fulfilled their purpose. From the time of the foundation of the world, God made them for one purpose, to worship the king. It's the same purpose for which you were made. Did you know that's the meaning for your life too? Just like the wise men, you were made to worship him. My hope and prayer is that today you will do that. These were Jesus' first out-of-town guests. God sent these men to imprint Jesus with royalty in a physical form for Jesus was already born with that from the very beginning. God used their gifts to provide for him. We believe that these gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, valuable in each their own essence, were used to be sold to provide for the flight to Egypt. God's provision and protection we were already there. The Magi arrived, they present their gifts, and the Bible says they fell down and they worshiped. Here, friends, are the first Gentiles to kneel at the feet of the Savior. We believe the shepherds were Jewish, we'll talk about them next week. But here we have Gentiles too, falling down at the foot of the Savior as if they were made to be there all along. Can I tell you, my friends, this makes me think of the end of the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew 27, when Jesus hangs there and is crucified, it's the centurion that says, surely this, a Gentile, surely this, one who had no theological training, Surely this was the Son of God. Gentiles started in Matthew 2 and bookended the gospel in Matthew 27. I want to ask you about your worship. Worship is a proactive and passionate act. When I want to ask you, and this is something I want you to take home with you, and I want you to use it right now. Who or what are you worshiping? See, the reality is you're going to worship something. My question is, what is that? For the wise men, they realized their whole purpose was to worship the king. Their lives were defined by this very moment Now, whether it's the night Jesus was born or two years later, it really doesn't matter. The key part is they came to worship. Did you? My prayer is that if you didn't, today's the day you change that. Here's the day that you have to worship. And we're not promised another one. This is the day God has given us where we, like the wise men, can fall down and worship. We, like the wise men, can proclaim his glory. We, like the wise men, can bring gifts, not of value, not of money. God doesn't need that of us. What he wants most of all is us. So I want to ask you, friends, who are you worshiping? If you're not worshiping Jesus, today's the day to start. Well, Darren, I don't even know how. It starts within you. It's not something you can gin up. It's because the Spirit of God has whispered it into your heart. And if if that's happening for you right now, I don't have to tell you what that's like. My prayer is that today you'll respond to it. In just a moment, we're going to stand, and I'm going to invite you to come down here and join me right here. If you want to talk about how you can worship Jesus too, this is your day. You don't have to wait. This is the day that God has given you What will you do with it, and who will you worship? Pray with me, won't you? Oh, gracious Jesus, thank you. As we celebrate Christmas and as we reflect on what it means, it is my prayer that you would remind us that it is not about the things we surround ourselves with, the shallow meaning of Christmas that we've adopted with trees and gifts and music. Those things are wonderful in their own right, but Lord, they are not what Christmas is about. You are what Christmas is about, and the wise men teach us that. Would you now, Lord Jesus, call those who you are whispering into their hearts right now, Motivate them, Lord Jesus, to respond to you today. Let today be the day, Jesus, that we, like the wise men, fall at your feet. Do your work here and now among us, Lord Jesus. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.